Welcome back to the seventh episode of Young Investor Society's Gen Zenomics. I'm your host, Gregory Shelsey, and today we're going to be talking about all things cryptocurrencies. In roughly the past month, cryptocurrencies have been constantly hitting all-time highs, and it seems like it's the only thing on CNBC and on Yahoo Finance. So, today I'm going to be covering how and where to buy cryptocurrencies, basic terms that you should know, and a few market leaders, so that way you're informed about all things going on in the cryptocurrency space. However, it's important to note that cryptocurrencies are incredibly volatile and speculative. So, if you're a person who isn't really into insane amounts of volatility, or you're new to the market, this is probably something that you should consider staying away from. Please, by all means, listen to the episode. I need as many listeners as I can get. But don't take my advice and go buy them if you're not sure you can stomach volatility and severe drops. So, without further ado, I'm going to get into how and where to buy cryptos. So if you think you're interested in purchasing cryptocurrencies, the first thing you need to do is know how and where to buy them. So when you buy a cryptocurrency and you hold it, you hold it in something called a wallet. And a wallet is basically a place where your crypto is stored. The thing is, not a lot of traditional brokers offer the ability to give you a wallet. For example, on Charles Schwab, you can't buy crypto. So you need to go somewhere where you can buy crypto, and it's usually a special wallet or a special app that will allow you to do it. Personally, my favorite place to buy cryptocurrency is Coinbase. They just went public at a $100 billion valuation. They have great revenue growth, but stock facts about it aside, it's incredibly secure, easy to use, and it has a nice clean interface to it. If you don't want to use a publicly traded company for whatever reason, you can use Kraken. Their CEO, Jesse Powell, was just in the news recently because he was talking about how he felt that crypto regulation was coming because there are just too many coins out there. If you live in England or Europe, you can use Binance, which is mostly used in England but can be used in Europe, and they have Binance US for United States users. Those, in my opinion, are the three best. But coming close in fourth and fifth is eToro, which can also be used in both the Europe and United States, and Gemini. Gemini might sound familiar to you because it was actually started by the Winklevoss brothers who sued Mark Zuckerberg for taking their idea for Facebook. They took the money that they settled on with Mark Zuckerberg and used it to invest in Gemini and Bitcoin, which made them some of the world's first Bitcoin billionaires a few years back. Now, once you buy, you might think that's it for the process. In my opinion, the easiest part about owning a crypto is just buying it, and the hardest part is making sure that it's secure and making sure you don't panic sell. So, if you want to make sure that your cryptocurrency is secure, what you need to do is get a hardware wallet. What a hardware wallet is, is it basically takes your Coinbase account and puts it in a flash drive so it can't be hacked. It's the equivalent of taking your Google Doc and downloading it to your computer so if the internet's out, you can still access it. So, you buy one of these things, it's called a ledger or a hardware wallet, and you download your coins onto it and set a password so no one can take it from you. It's basically a vault. It costs roughly $75 to $125, but knowing that your cryptocurrency won't get stolen, in my opinion, makes it 100% worthwhile. And it's important to note that because cryptocurrencies have been at all-time highs, they're being talked about all the time, certain countries are banning them, people want to get their hands on them as much as possible. So paying $75 to ensure that a few hundred dollars worth of crypto doesn't get stolen is a great investment. But back to the point of countries banning them, there are some concerns with buying crypto and how and where to buy them. A few countries like Nigeria and India have totally banned the, per the, the sale, the purchase, the mining of, or the creation of cryptocurrencies in their countries. And if you own them, you go to prison. So I don't think any teenager listening to this podcast really wants to go to prison. So for whatever reason you live in Nigeria or India, please don't buy them. I don't want to send you to jail. Also, 
China has actually, certain parts of China actually, have restricted the mining of Bitcoin to reduce energy consumption. Because mining or creating cryptocurrencies takes up a lot of energy and takes a toll on power grids over time. And that might seem far away because it's foreign countries, but it's important to note how that affects us. Recently, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen stated she's worried that Bitcoin is used for money laundering and illegal payments. She also deemed Bitcoin as incredibly inefficient, and that really affected Bitcoin's price, which brings me back to the concept of volatility. If you can't handle 10% drops because somebody in Nigeria said that Bitcoin's getting banned, this is really not the thing for you. So now that you know how and where to buy cryptocurrencies, and you're aware of the volatility and the risks involved, it's time to learn some basic terms so that way you have a better understanding for crypto as a whole. The first term that you'll need to understand if you want to get into crypto investing is an address. An address in the cryptocurrency world is just like one in real life. It's a series of letters and numbers that show everyone on a decentralized platform who is sending currency to where or to whom. So if you want to send Bitcoin to a friend, you don't send it in the mail. You send it to their address through your wallet on an app like Coinbase or Binance, and then you pay a fee and it gets delivered relatively quickly. It's important to note that the fees associated with cryptocurrencies are a lot less than that of traditional banks. So it makes sense to use a Bitcoin address or an Ethereum address rather than withdrawing your Bitcoin, selling it, and then sending money through a traditional bank. The second term you'll need to know is blockchain. The blockchain is basically a, dis a distributed ledger system and it publicly shows who is sending cryptocurrency to where and who's receiving cryptocurrency. It doesn't show your name, it doesn't show your actual physical address, it just shows your, your cryptocurrency address so that way everyone is aware of where Bitcoin is going. It's a great way for smaller Bitcoin investors to track larger, larger Bitcoin investors called whales. This way, everyone can see when there's big purchases being made, big amounts of Bitcoin being sold, and everyone is aware of what's going on. There's no secrecy. Sometimes in the stock exchange, things feel secret. You can't see who's buying what stock when. You can just see the quantity that's being bought. So the blockchain seeks to eliminate that entire mysterious part of buying and selling cryptocurrencies by making it public information. The next term you should know is mining. This is similar, I guess you could say, to the mining you see in Minecraft or in actual mines, how we find our natural resources. But it's basically just the process of setting up very large computers that solve puzzles to earn Bitcoin. So basically, these computers run all these algorithms to quote-unquote mine a block and gain Bitcoin. This is how more Bitcoin gets into circulation. If that makes it a little bit hard to understand, think of it like gold. Back during the gold rush, the way that more gold got into circulation was by people mining it or panning for it. This is essentially the same thing. But there's a few things. Number one, you can't do it on a normal PC. I'm recording on a MacBook right now, and it would probably catch on fire if I tried to mine Bitcoin. It requires incredibly expensive equipment. Also, it takes up an abundance of energy. That's why, as I mentioned before, parts of China are actually banning mining because it takes a damage on the power grids. But that's how Bitcoin gets into circulation, and I believe it's incredibly important to understand how that works. In the past few months, fears of inflation, more media attention, and a search for new asset classes has led to the crypto market entering a boom. Currently, the crypto market is sitting at approximately $2 trillion in value making it larger than any equity on the New York Stock Exchange, including Apple, which happens to be very close behind it. That's important because it means crypto is finally getting the attention it deserves. Unlike how it was treated in 2016 and before, crypto is now seen as a viable investment and large investment banks are supporting it. The most important cryptocurrency by far is Bitcoin, and it's the one that most people have heard of. 
Bitcoin has a market cap of $1 trillion, so it basically constitutes half the entire cryptocurrency market. It has a supply of over 18 million Bitcoins, meaning that there are more millionaires on this planet right now than Bitcoins. And that reducing supply, which continues to reduce through something they call a halvening, where everybody's Bitcoin totals are cut in half, means that Bitcoin is going to see limited supply in the future, and hence greater prices are ahead. Bitcoin is mainly seen as a store of value and anti-inflation, much like gold. Your parents or your grandparents might actually own gold or own ETFs that track gold as a way of hedging against inflation as time goes on for retirement. The newer thing to do to hedge against inflation is to buy cryptocurrencies because you can actually hold them unlike gold and they tend to move more quickly and they're easier to access. It's more of a younger person's gold, if you will. There are a few pros and cons of Bitcoin that's important to know. Firstly, Bitcoin is widely recognized and used, making it by far the most investor-friendly type of cryptocurrency. This is because all a currency is, in essence, is a bunch of people using the same thing. The reason the United States dollar has value is not only because it's backed by gold, or at least it used to be, but it's also because everyone uses it. It's a standard. Everyone understands how much it's worth, and they trust it. Because Bitcoin is widely recognized and used, that means it's on its way to becoming its own viable currency. All you need for a currency to be real is multiple people agreeing to use it as a form of payment. So that's great for Bitcoin investors because it means that there's much less speculation than before. Also, large corporations are buying and holding Bitcoin. You might be asking why holding matters, but it's incredibly important and I'll get to it in a second. In the news recently, companies like Tesla have been liquidating some of their cash and turning it into Bitcoin. That's important because it's driving the price of Bitcoin up. A company like Tesla can buy thousands of Bitcoin using just the cash on their balance sheet, which will drive the price up over time because you'll be seeing increased orders for it. And as for the holding, it's important that Bitcoin is being held by these corporations because it means that them selling their Bitcoin to convert it back into cash isn't dragging down the price. For example, if you choose to buy a Tesla with Bitcoin, which you now can do, Elon Musk and his company won't sell the Bitcoin and turn it back into cash. So that means that the price of Bitcoin won't go down as corporations are selling it to move it back into various currencies. So the price is going to go up because they're buying it, and it's going to stay up because they're not selling it. But as for cons, there's a few minor cons of Bitcoin that's important to be aware of. First of all, it has slower transaction time than other currencies. It's nothing long, it's not multiple days, it's a few minutes. But if you're a person who's trading Bitcoin, sending it, and you need things to be done quickly, it could be aggravating. Also, because of increasing demand for Bitcoin, their transaction fees have gone up a lot lately, meaning that you do have to pay money when you send it or when you buy it or sell it. Also, because Bitcoin is, I guess you could say, the, the most popular of all the cryptocurrencies, it tends to get attacked the most by people in government, as I discussed earlier. That means that there tends to be more volatility because sometimes you'll go to sleep and you'll wake up and someone on the other side of the globe criticized Bitcoin and then it dropped 10%. So if you want something that's anti-inflation, it's a good store of value, and it has limited supply, Bitcoin is exactly what you're looking for, but you need to be aware of the volatility, transaction fees, and transaction times. An alternative to Bitcoin that capitalizes on fixing some of its cons yet is less popular is Litecoin. Basically, Litecoin was created a few years after Bitcoin was made in hopes of reducing some of Bitcoin's weaknesses and making just a stronger platform in general. It has some pros and cons, but I'm not going to spend too much time on it because it's not nearly as widely recognized. Some pros of Litecoin are the fact that it's faster than Bitcoin with lower fees, which capitalizes on some of Bitcoin's cons. 
However, its problem is that it's not nearly as widely used. Corporations aren't buying it, and it moves in relation to Bitcoin, but it is not Bitcoin. It's like owning fool's gold, in a way. If you own fool's gold, maybe you can tell people you know a little bit about it, you own some, and even better yet, maybe you can sell it off like the real thing. But at the end of the day, fool's gold is not real gold. And that's exactly the case with Litecoin and Bitcoin. The second largest cryptocurrency by market cap is something called Ethereum. Ethereum is basically a digital economy that allows for payments and applications. It has a market cap of roughly $275 million, making it one-fourth, generally speaking, of Bitcoin size. It's the most actively used on blockchain, which is a term that we've covered earlier, and it's seen as the silver of cryptos. It's basically the younger brother of Bitcoin. It has a few pros and cons that I personally believe make it the strongest of all the cryptocurrencies. Its pros consist of the fact that it's used for peer payments now, like online artwork and NFTs. You probably heard a lot about the NFT craze, and for those of you who haven't, it's basically like owning a code for digital artwork. And the way that you buy them is by using Ethereum. Also, Ethereum recently had an update called the Berlin Update to fix some of its problems that investors were complaining about. It also has faster transactions than Bitcoins. But it does have a few cons. Firstly, although it's incredibly popular, it's not as, in, it's not as popular as Bitcoin. Companies aren't really buying it. And it's well known, but it's not known to everyone, like Bitcoin is with normal people. Also, corporations aren't buying it too, which means you're going to see less institutional buying, so the price might not go up as quickly. Also, there's a conflict about its next update, Ethereum 2.0. You're probably asking what Ethereum 2.0 is, so I'm more than happy to explain it. Ethereum 2.0 looks to lower Ethereum's fees, transaction times, and basically any other con a coin can have. The problem is that in doing this, it's going to be harder to mine, which makes the people who mine it for a living ha unhappy, and they might strike as a result of it. So, although Ethereum 2.0 could very well send Ethereum into being the best cryptocurrency all around on the market, there are issues between investors and miners about how the update should go and whether or not it should pass. Though, like I said before, personally, it's my favorite. I think it serves a great purpose and will be used in the future. There are some things to be wary of in regards to its cons. Following Ethereum comes a coin affectionately called the Ethereum Killer, Cardano. Cardano is a direct competitor to Ethereum and it has the same direct value transfer that Ethereum has. Basically, it's also used as a peer-to-peer -peer currency, much like its predecessor. It has a much smaller market cap of 44.6 billion, but it has a circulating supply of roughly 32 billion. And I'll tell you what this means. It means that it has cheaper fees than Ethereum and is smaller than Ethereum and Bitcoin by a lot, which means it has more room to grow. But because it has more supply, each coin is deemed less valuable. For example, each Ethereum right now is roughly $2,500, while each Cardano is a little under $1.50. Also, Cardano is not nearly as popular or valuable as Bitcoin and Ethereum in the eyes of investors. It's not being bought by corporations, and it's kind of a backup plan. Ethereum in my eyes is like the cryptocurrency version of Nick Foles. Yeah, he's great, he might win you a Super Bowl, but at the end of the day, he's not nearly as good as a healthy Carson Wentz. That's no disrespect to either of some of my favorite Eagles, but it needs to be said. The second to last cryptocurrency that we're going to be discussing today is Ripple. Ripple is entirely unlike Bitcoin and Ethereum, and that's because it's not seen as a store of value or as a means of transactions. Rather, Ripple is used as a coin for rapid conversion between currencies. That might not make sense, so let me give you an example. Let's say you have a friend that lives in England, and you want to send them money. Rather than converting your United States dollars to pounds, sending it through a bank, and having your friend 
take the pounds out of their bank account and use it. What you can do is you can convert your money to Ripple, have, send it to your friend nearly immediately, and then have your friend convert their Ripple back into their native currency. It might seem more tedious, but it really isn't, and here's why. First of all, Ripple has much faster transaction times. That means that if you send Ripple to your friend, they're going to get it in, on average, three to five seconds. As compared to a bank's anywhere from 10 minutes to a day, that saves an immense amount of time. Also, Ripple has much lower fees than banks, which means that although it might seem a little bit weirder taking money and converting it into Ripple and then converting it back, you're actually saving money as compared to wiring money. On average, a bank wire could cost you $20 between accounts, and that's only in the United States. However, the average Ripple cost is anywhere from a few cents to like a dollar. So you're saving a lot of money and you're saving time. And although that may seem like a great deal, there's a few things you need to be aware of as a potential investor. First of all, Ripple was recently sued by the SEC for fraud, and although it appears that they're going to win the lawsuit, it still took a serious effect on the currency's price and made it a lot more volatile in the past few months. Also, because they're not a store of value like Bitcoin and Ethereum, they are not really a hedge against inflation. So if you're looking to buy a cryptocurrency as a hedge against inflation, this is not for you. Also, it's not being bought by major corporations and it's not nearly as used as Bitcoin and Ethereum. However, it is important to note with Ripple that it does have a very bright future because it's the main rapid conversion currency on the crypto market today. So if you're ever looking to exchange currencies in the future, make a transaction quickly, or you're just looking for a little investment to maybe increase your exposure to the crypto market, Ripple is another great coin to get into. And last and most certainly least, is a meme coin that I need to cover because my friends asked me. Dogecoin. Doge might sound familiar to you, and you might be asking why. Well, Doge is that funny picture of a dog off of the internet a few years ago that was used in memes. And basically, during the first cryptocurrency peak in 2016, a man decided to create a currency based around it, and it's called Dogecoin. Dogecoin is by far the worst crypto investment you can make. Technically, it's the fifth largest cryptocurrency, and it's trading at approximately 20 cents a share at the time this is being recorded. However, there's a few important things to note. Number one, it has absolutely no value behind it. Nothing's backing it. There's literally no reason for it to be worth anything whatsoever. Secondly, there's an unlimited supply of Dogecoin. There's so much that it makes each token effectively worthless. It's like trying to use a blade of grass to buy a watch. It doesn't work because of how many blades of grass there are on the face of the planet. It has no value. Also, it's, it's a complete meme stock, meaning that people are only buying it to speculate and mess around. So once people choose, that, choose to stop speculating, it's going to plummet. I usually don't give financial advice, but I would say for sure, Dogecoin is not the cryptocurrency you want to get into, especially as a new crypto investor. But thank you so much for listening to the seventh episode of Young Investor Society's Gen Xenomics. Once again, I'm your host, Gregory Shelsey. I appreciate all the support on these past few episodes. And if you don't mind, could you please share this episode with someone who you think might find it interesting so that way we can continue to grow our community of listeners and investors. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.